This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I am here today with Jason Gordon. Jason, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate being on the show. Absolutely. So why don't you kick it off, tell our listeners who you are and where you're from. Well, I'm Jason Gordon. I'm born and raised in Southern California. I grew up in Venice. I came out to San Diego to attend San Diego State University, and I've never left San Diego ever since. Love it. Yep. I am born and raised in North County, San Diego. And so I had an opposite experience where I grew up there. I left and I was like, why did I do that? <laughs> so I ended up uh, coming back after college and uh, I lived there for like five years before I moved to Huntington Beach now. So uh, nice. of course, I know Jason from the San Diego uh, real estate community. And uh, I'm curious, before we get into like everything that you're doing today with real estate and, and you know, on the mortgage side, every, all the unique value propositions you have to offer, before we get into everything you're doing today, what got you into real estate? What was your first exposure? to the power of real estate? You know, it's funny. I was attending SDSU and all my roommates had these jobs at restaurants. You know, they all had these fun jobs. They all walked with a bunch of cash. They were bartending, valet parking. Intuitively, I thought, you know, I want to build my resume while I'm in college, not just wait till I graduate from college. Got a job at Wells Fargo Bank. And it's funny because those of you who ever I always say Wells Fargo Bank is kind of like the Kevin Bacon of the finance industry, right? Everyone's got a, a, an association, at least one or two parties <laughs> removed from Wells yeah, Fargo yeah, Bank. Yeah. And I say this respectfully, I mean, and lovingly to Wells Fargo. It was a great chapter in my life, but they would teach me a little bit about a lot of things, but not all that much about any one thing. So it was the true jack of all trades, master of none. So I learned about consumer banking, business banking, savings and investments, and lending, at one point, I thought, okay, if I want to get to the next level where I want to be, pick one and get really good at it. And so I pick lending. Awesome. And I know that a lot of you know mortgage loan officers start in banking, so that totally makes sense. So in college, instead of having a restaurant job, you worked at a bank. Is that right? Correct. Awesome. Yes. And then after that, you know, you've then gotten into the mortgage loan officer space. And I, I'm always curious about this. You prefer to be called a mortgage loan officer, right? You know, I always laughed. Our, our position is, is there's so many names for us. We're a lender, we're an originator, we're a loan officer, yeah. we're a senior yeah. loan officer, senior originator. Yeah. Right. You just call me Jason. <laughs> right. Call me whatever you want to call me. Yeah. I mean, it, it's all the same job, no matter what we try to decorate it as. Right. Um, it's funny because I actually wanted to be called a residential mortgage specialist. 
that seemed to be a bit that more was the title indicative. You liked. And my compliance department said, that's not one of the uh, allowed names for your position for uh, compliance reasons. And I thought, just shoot me now. I mean, uh, call me whatever you want to call me. I, you know, I am to whoever needs me to, you know, I, I can be different roles within that process. Yep. No, talk about compliance. Being a digital marketing agency in the real estate space, it's kind of like the Wild West compared to being a digital marketing agency for the mortgage space, because I do both. And when, when I started, started out, I was doing the real estate side only. And then some partners on the mortgage side were like, Hey, can you do this for us? Can you get us buyer refi leads? So I started to look into it and build out certain funnels and drip campaigns and all the stuff. <laughs> and the compliance was so far above and beyond anything that I had ever experienced on the real estate side. I mean, it was like to the nth degree, they're looking at every word and every email that we would possibly send. And I mean, it was so far. And now we've gone through such a trial by fire with compliance that we're okay. Like we, we just get cleared pretty much right away. But gosh, that was a journey to, to go through that compliance thing. And so I, I hear you on that. Honestly, um, to your point, I can't get a flyer made without two or three people in compliance yeah. touching it, making sure it meets all the, the standards. Um, yep. And of course, from a marketing perspective, you want aesthetics. But when you put all those required disclosures, it's like, it's it's this, like, where do you put the actual content, you know, after- Where's the headline go? Yeah. By, by the way, <laughs> that being said, just to make everybody happy, my NMLS ID is 259027. This is not an offer to lend. All right. Everyone good. All right. Continue. This this podcast <laughs> is now cleared. <laughs> yes. cool. So you have specialized in a, a unique type of lending that takes an extreme amount of bedside manner. And that is in the divorce sector, right? And kind of the way that I remember you, even almost before I think of Jason Gordon, because we've known each other for a couple of years now, I think divorce loan pro. Like that's yeah. the, like synonymous in my in my mind. So I would love for you to just expand upon that and um and really coach any MLOs out there that might be looking at this as an interesting sector, but might approach it with commission breath. And I love how you just, you paint the picture of how you should act in this space. Absolutely. You know, maybe I'll just give you a little bit of kind of color behind it because um, the first thing I always want to tell people just up front, because we live in a world now where any ambiguity can and will be used against us in the court of public opinion, mm. right? I mean, we know it, especially when I'm broadcasting on a podcast, people are going to hear and see that don't know me, may already be seeing, oh, loan officer, divorce, bad person. Let me just kind of alleviate any ambiguity up front. Nothing my team or I approach this with on any level disrespects the sanctity of marriage. We're not celebrating divorce and we're certainly not breaking up marriages in order to get a commission. Okay. And so with that in mind, Several years back, I had an incident, and I'll be brief about it, but it, you ever have those kind of watershed moments in your career where it's like, wow, that was a client interaction that I will never, ever forget. And so I'll just, yes. I'll summarize and I'll round off numbers just because it's easier and quicker. This woman had come into my office four days after her divorce was finalized. She was waiving a, a court order that basically said she had 60 days to settle the affairs of, of the home. And technically, she now had 56 days since she was 40 days removed from her divorce. And just for round numbers, her and her now ex-husband had a house that was worth 500 grand. They owed 400 grand on a joint mortgage. And the court order said that she was awarded the home under two conditions. Number one, he wanted to be removed from that $400,000 debt, which kind of makes sense, right? I'm not going to own or occupy the house. I don't want the debt attached to me any longer. And then number two, he wanted half of that equity, right? 100,000 in equity between the 500,000 value and the 400,000 payoff. So he wanted 50,000. So essentially she was 
approaching me for a divorce equity buyout for four hundred and fifty thousand. Makes sense so far. Seems like pretty clear deal on paper, but let's see how it goes. Yeah, and the sad thing is, you know, within moments of speaking with her, I was able to quickly ascertain you don't qualify for this. And of course, I'm always very gentle, you know, respectful and professional with my news, but not even close. And even if she did, there's no way she would be able to reasonably afford the payments. She had miscalculated everything. And so I explained this to her and she burst into tears and she grabbed her court order again and waited and said, my attorney said, all I have to do is show this to you and you have to lend to me. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to continue to be respectful here. You're, you know, the court doesn't order people to lend money or to breach contracts. That's, that's not what the court does. So she left my office shortly after in tears, um, really bummed me out. And so I never spoke with her again, but the referring person who referred her to me, I'm still in touch with that person. I found out just because that person volunteered information. She left my office. She fired her attorney. She reached out to her ex-husband. And this was like a war of the roses kind of divorce. And like he's like, I'm not going to renegotiate anything with you. I have a court order. You should have done your due diligence ahead of time. She panicked, sold the property. Hmm. She paid all the commissions, 500,000. This is back when you got 6% on, you know, combined. So that's 30 grand, another approximately 11,000 between title and escrow fees, transfer taxes, and some minor repairs. So he walked with 50, she walked with nine and she still had to pay moving costs. And she had promised her teenage daughter, they didn't have to move. Ouch. Now I had to go back on that. And so to kind of bring it full circle, because that story can go on, but I'll, I won't take it further. Sure. I realized this disconnect attorneys are not taught Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac guidelines in law school. Most loan officers, in respect to loan officers here, but we, we don't advertise, we don't seek out divorce. We just occasionally get them. It's kind of like a, when you're fishing and you accidentally pull out a fish, like, well, I already paid for the bait. I guess I'll just pull this one in. And you have blindly in the blind. And so I began a real big deep dive and I can go into that in just a moment, but I don't approach consumers and say, hey, how's your marriage doing? If it ever fails, call me. I team up with divorce attorneys. I'm part of their divorce team. They pull me in on discovery to see if there's an opportunity for me to provide guidance. Oftentimes someone wants to keep the home like this example, and we can really quickly figure out that's not a possibility. We can prep all parties for sale of the residents and kind of moving on from there. So it's really mm. a consultative role and it's really done for all the right reasons. Yes, that makes total sense. And bringing you in early, number one, it creates so much more clarity because now you have a finance expert early in the journey. To your point, the lawyer isn't an expert in finance or an expert in law. And so when you have that possibility to bring someone like you in early, and also have it be based on a referral. You're a part of the attorney's team. It's like you just said, you're not running, you know, keyword campaigns for, you know, I just got a divorce and what do I do now kind of thing. You, right. You're actually building strategic relationships to with attorneys where when someone has this come up, you are their go-to and then you're brought in early, which I, I think that's number one, it's, it's just a more ethical way to go about it. But number two, it's uh, it makes more logical sense from a business standpoint, because to your point, you would have been able to identify in, in that case study that you just mentioned that the wife won't approve for the loan. What are we going to do about this? And then maybe they decide to sell together. They accept the closing costs and the commissions together. It's more of an inequitable, even settlement. But because things had already been signed and ordered, it's too late. Right. Um, so yeah, and I think that's a really key illustration of, of the right way to approach that type of, of loan. 
I appreciate that. You know, and I, I can tell you that this is not just a declaration you make. And okay, I'm going to be a divorce specialist. I'm going to approach attorneys. Attorneys dissect testimony for a living. You're I dare I say sales pitch when you approach them is your testimony. If you don't know what you're talking about, these folks will sniff it out within seconds. Right. Uh, as Warren Buffett says, when the tides recede, we'll all know who's been swimming naked, right? I mean, they can sniff you out real quickly. So what I did, and I, I'll just kind of offer this up to you. I began an absolute deep dive into getting education. Uh, there's four credentials within the real estate and mortgage industry pertaining to divorce, I say this humbly, but I'm the only person on the, in the country who's got all four of them. And so in the order that I, I would believe is just the, the best and most credible, Certified Divorce Lending Professional or CDLP is through, through the Divorce Lending Association, total street smarts, learning guidelines, how to, how to look at nuances within the, the guidelines to make sure that you can set up you know, a client for success. Sometimes we even get involved early on to help create the verbiage in the actual court order to make sure it will be consistent with getting the loan taken care of. Things like child support, alimony, or spousal support, you know, those aren't always able to be used. How about division of joint assets or, 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 or debts? There's a whole bunch of nuances. So CDLP was huge. I've done what's called a CDRE, Certified Divorce Real Estate Expert through the Alumni Institute. Those two credentials, in my humble opinion, are the Rolls Royce of the mortgage and real estate divorce training. Um, just solid information. Um, and I'll go quickly. I don't want to just give you this my whole resume right now while I'm talking. Right, right. Certified divorce specialist through the National Association of Divorce Professionals. Great way to integrate the rest of the divorce team. Then also real estate collaboration specialist in divorce or RCSD. I was taught directly by a law school professor on the legal side of a lot of these real estate mortgage related divorce scenarios. So a lot of information. Well, you certainly have the credentials and you also, as I mentioned at the very beginning, you have that bedside manner, right? Like if someone were on their deathbed, you would be able to communicate them with a way that was respectful, that would make them know that you have their best interest in mind. And really that's how we should come across with every transaction. But when you're doing something over and over and over again, it does become transactional. So especially when a sensitive situation comes like divorce, you need to be extra sensitive to that. And so the training I'm sure helps a lot, but it's just, it seems like your personality and, and the way that you care about every single client, it, it comes through. And that's why you've had the success in, in the divorce space. So with Thank that you. being said, I, I absolutely. With that being said, I would love to now move on to just an entrepreneurial habit that has generated a lot of your consistent success over the years. So a question I like to ask is, what is the single most important action that you take on a daily basis, which has attributed most to your success? It's a great question. So, and that kind of leads into something I want to make sure I got, got out and said to you is that you know, I'm not a one trick pony. I don't just work with divorce. I had someone once before say, oh, I had a great referral for you, but they're happily married. Oh my gosh. I, it, <laughs> I work with everybody, all homeowners and all home buyers, regardless of their marital status or their- But that's effective of- branding. Yeah, but I remember thinking, oh my gosh, now I have to really make sure I say that. But with that in mind, to answer your question, there's a lot of industry-related you know, resources of, full of data and knowledge that I just kind of sink in each morning. So again, this could be divorce-related. It can be completely non-divorce-related. The two most, um, yeah, I guess I would just say the most valued resources that I use on a daily basis, just, just while your brain's kind of waking up in the morning, 
uh, MBS Highway, which is mortgage-backed security highway through Barry Habib, who is kind of the closest thing we have in the mortgage industry to a celebrity. You know, he's the prognosticator of rates, looking at economics, finances, different you know indicators that may shift the market when we should lock in rates, when we should not lock in rates. I'm given the daily dose of just upper division economics and finance through him, um, which I just you know I really really do cherish. Um, there's also a publication called the National Real Estate Post. Uh, Frank Gray, Brian Stevens, these folks have been doing uh, video vlogging for well over a decade, and they do like a seven to eight minute just video each morning about the real estate and/or mortgage industries. Um, through my association with a few other. Uh, professional organizations. I've actually become, you know, pretty good friends with Brian Stevens, who runs the main part of the show nowadays. And the amount of just macroeconomic knowledge that we're getting about the real estate industry, about trends, it could be something about appraisals or mortgages, um, real estate, different laws coming down the pike. You know, um, it just keeps me with a finger on the pulse each day, and it it kind of, it's kind of turns my brain on every morning before I I go out and hit it. It's interesting you say that, that your number one success habit that you attribute most of your success to is plugging into the proper news outlets, not just like mass media, ABC, NBC, this and that, but you're plugging into your news outlet for your industry to serve your clients on a daily basis and finding the absolute best to get that pure primary source information from as as primary of a source as you can uh, so that you can then make educated decisions and and advise your clients to to make educated decisions for themselves. That was one of the biggest tips that my commercial real estate broker mentor gave me. He said, I read the news. <laughs> He's yeah. like, this, this is how I, I know what to say on phone calls, have things to talk about, and I'm able to relate with people that have the money to invest in commercial real estate. They're looking at the stock market, interest rates, inflation, what's going on. And so if you have a finger on the pulse and you can either add value or at least just relate with them on that, that's going to be a huge rapport builder and credibility builder. So that makes total sense that it has served you well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I'm curious now about a new program from Amerifirst where you're buying properties with cash and you're helping lock down client offers, which is, you know, that's extremely rare and innovative to help clients combat other sellers in this market who are otherwise qualified. And maybe they're even coming to the table with 20% down or more, but they're losing out to a cash offer at the last minute. So I would love for you to just explain that. I think it's such a unique value proposition and, and everyone needs to know, real estate professionals, investors, everyone needs to know uh, about this program. Absolutely. So I'll kind of start out macro and I'll just bring it in micro real quick. Sure. So the outline or the underlying kind of theme of economics is supply and demand, right? And so we all know that there's a high demand of home buyers have for the last couple of years now have been chasing a very short supply of available homes for sale or what we call inventory. That immediately puts the shift of leverage in the hands of the seller, right? You always say you want to buy when everyone's selling, you want to sell when everyone's buying. Well, everyone's buying, you're the seller. You're saying, all right, everyone line up. Who wants my house the most? How much are you going right. to pay? How much are you going to pay? Right. And it just creates this, this leverage situation. And that's not right or wrong. It just, that's, that's economics. So imagine, this is just one of many examples, okay? Imagine you are already a homeowner. 
Okay. But you want to sell your current home. Let's call that property A. And you want to take that sale and then be able to buy property B. Maybe you're moving up, upgrading to your dream home. If you're buying A, what we call contingent, I'm sorry, if you're, if you're buying B contingent on selling A, then you are viewed differently by the sellers of B and or the agent helping the seller on B. You're kind of bringing baggage to the transaction because they know nothing about your A buyer. All they know is, okay, if you're going to buy my property B, I have to somehow hope that nothing goes wrong with your sale of A. Right. And you're therefore just less desirable because I have all these other choices. Again, right or wrong, that's a, that's a dynamic right now. And what we found, because we work very closely with real estate agents, you know, we, we do plenty of refinances when the market dictates, but our whole business plan is purchase centric, which means everything we do, we're partnering with real estate agents. They are our alliance. We, if they're in pain, we're in pain with them because that's just how we operate. That's, that's the culture of the company from the top down. And in that situation, you have a buyer that's afraid to put their property A for sale because they know in this market, it's going to get snatched right up. But they're fearing that, what if I can't get B? Do I have to move out of A and go rent somewhere temporarily and then buy my B non-contingent? Well, now I have to move my family twice. I don't want to do that. Or what's been happening is they say, okay, well, I got all this free equity in A that I didn't really earn. I just got a very good market behind me. My value went up, you know, and I got all this free money, but it never really hit my bank account. I'll just give a bunch of that back by overpaying for B. Mm. And they're doing that. And, you know, some are still justifying it. But what if there is a better way to be able to buy B and not have to do, give up all your money or move your family twice? What and if so, there were a better way? Yeah. And huh. so imagine in our agent partners, we're like, okay, I, now, I, now, now there's two escrows that I can't do. You know, I could sell A lickety split, but they won't let me because we can't get a B. And what we have is this phrase we call buyer fatigue. After the fourth or fifth time they try to get a property B and they're unsuccessful, people start kind of going, hey, it's not meant to be. It's not God's way. Maybe later, maybe later, maybe later. And then they wait, and they mm -hmm. wait. Now that same property is 50 grand higher and they now they're kicking themselves for not acting when they did. So how do we solve that, right? So my company or my the company I work for, AmeriFirst Financial, we have a very innovative executive team. Our CEO, Eric Bowlby, um, our VP, Fred Crone, and a few others, just pretty genius dudes. I mean, I mean that as respectfully as I can say, these are really, really good minds. Uh, I've been with the company over 10 and a half years, which is like dog years in our industry, but partly because of those two and their, their leadership and their innovative they have created this thing called, we call it cash is king, a little hokey, but you got to call it something and it kind of emulates the, uh, the spirit behind it. So as one example, when we have our client fully approved and we have a very, you know, high end, you know, integrity based approval process involving an underwriter and all the due diligence, say our clients approved to buy B contingent on a, we know it's all good. We can come in as the buyer on property B. And so what happens here is we are a cash buyer. There is no loan contingency. We are offering cash. So the name of the buyer is AmeriFirst Financial or assignee, which as <laughs> a lot of us know in the legal world, we can assign the contract to someone else, which is going to be our client. Now, one of two things is going to happen if indeed that, that seller on B says, yes, cash buyer, I pick you. 
one of two things happens. Number one is our client and the real estate agent involved on our side here can negotiate a long enough escrow period on B to then sell A first. Let's just say, for example, 40 days, close of escrow on B. We got it locked in. Okay, great. Hey, A seller, let's let's get this thing prepped and let's get this thing sold and we get it done. At that point, we cleared, cleared out A's debt, right? So there's no monthly debt on there and or, and or the money needed for B is now already acquired by selling A. So now we just roll it into a normal situation. We hit the assignee clause and hey, client, we just flexed our financial muscle and helped you get a, your, your offer accepted, ideally without you know this bidding war because you are a cash buyer. If we don't let go of the money, there's no extra charge for it, which is like just the best case scenario. Okay. Right. I mentioned there's two scenarios, right? What if the other scenario is the B seller says, yes, got me a cash buyer. I pick you. I want to close in 10 days. We're probably not going to get A sold in 10 days. Let's be realistic. No matter how ambitious we are, at that point, we have to let go of the money. If we let go of the money, we charge in two ways. Number one, we charge a one and a half percent flat fee. Okay, so let's say it was four hundred thousand dollars that we wired times 0.015, That's six thousand dollars. We charge a per diem, which is Latin for per day interest, based on an eight percent annualized rate. So, I'll pull up my trusted calculator here while we're talking four hundred thousand times 0.08 divided by three hundred sixty-five days in the year is an eighty-seven dollar and sixty-seven cent per diem charge for as long as the money's out. So let's say it's out for 21 days. We have another $1,841. So all in they, is less than you know $8,000, which is a whole lot better than them getting into a bidding war for 50 grand higher than asking price. Right. Um, again, it, it would be our choice to never have to let go of the money because we don't want buyers to incur any additional costs. But it's you know, obviously if we're putting money out, there's a, an implied risk. We want to make sure that we are, you know, getting something back in return. Of course. And to your point at the end, your goal with this program, or I, I should say Amerifirst's goal and the innovative founders is not to collect small fees on the back end and and loan money out at 1.5% plus some you know 8% annualized return for a short term. That's not the goal. The goal is not to monetize that. The goal is to help empower buyers in this crazy market that we're in and get deals done, right? Mm -hmm. How many deals are falling through with pre-approved solid buyers today that are putting 20% down that normally in any other market would be top choice and they're falling through and buyer side real estate agents aren't getting their commission, mortgage loan officers aren't getting their commission, the mortgage companies are not leveraging the cash they have available and lending it out, which is the whole point of the company. And and so I think it's a really innovative offer to, to put to market. And the way that you explain it makes total sense to me. So hopefully my, my listeners are able to, you know, go back if you, if you didn't quite catch it. But, um, you know, I'm not going to try and re-explain it because I don't want to say anything that would make me liable. <laughs> you, were, you were really good about giving the two scenarios, the, mm -hmm. the scenario where they don't get charged anything and it's a win-win and the scenario where they get charged a little bit and it's still a win-win. But, you know, of course, you guys got to protect your downside. So I think you did a great job explaining both of those. And, of course, this is recorded. So any of my listeners that are curious, just run it back a little bit, listen to what Jason just said, 
And I think it's just an incredible program for home buyers, for real estate professionals to be aware of. Um, you know, having these types of tools in your tool belt, even if you're not the mortgage loan officer like yourself, but if I'm a real estate professional and I come across a situation where I've been driving, you know, these these interested qualified buyers around for months, we've seen 50 properties. Now they finally absolutely love one. You know, maybe I'll suggest this program and and suggest that they come in and, and they are able to lock it down and win the bidding war before it even starts. Absolutely. And and you nailed it too. It's a tool in the tool belt. You know, not there's not just one tool that works for every situation. I'm gonna give you just a ruin real brief follow-up on that. That was an example. That was an example of a contingent buyer. What if it's a first-time home buyer, or somebody that doesn't have a property A that they own? Such a good point. We're doing that for these folks now because here's here's what, what's really a, a, a sad reality in our industry. And I, I won't get on a big soapbox here, but a lot of real estate agents are unfamiliar with loan terms, approval. Yet they they've been in the game long enough where they really have a way to talk a good game. You know, and of course, if we ever had a you know adult conversation, we'd be able to uncover what they know, what they don't know within a couple of moments, but we never kind of get there. There's a lot of posturing going on. But there is constantly a, I'll just call it a prejudice, lack of a better term, from a listing agent that looks at all these offers for their client's home that they're trying to sell for them. It makes their own assumptions on whether someone's going to get approved based on, let's say, a down payment. Oh, these guys are only putting in 5%. Yeah, everyone else has put at least 20% down. We're, we're just going to ignore the 5%. An approval is an approval, right? So imagine now you're an agent trying to help your client buy a home, maybe their first home. You're, you're taking them all over town. You're building trust, rapport, loan officers going through all these approval techniques and going over all this you know, logistics and numbers and scenarios. Yet every single time that buyer tries to buy with that 5% down or maybe 3% down, or even a VA loan at 0% down, there be you're just being unnecessarily excluded because of some perception that they don't have enough skin in the game to make it work. We're getting these folks cash offers and we're making it work. And so again, case by case basis, someone I'm sure would hear this and say, what if it doesn't appraise? We need money. I, I get that. But there's a lot of buyers out there that are fully approved that are being shunned for all the wrong reasons. We're coming in right now and helping them get their offers accepted. Yep. And for an example of a first time home buyer, I mean, as a seller looking at 15 offers, if one's going to put 3.5% down and their FHA, and then you have to go through additional inspections and all this other stuff because of the PMI, and then you have a 20% down or a cash offer, you're just going to go with the cash offer, the 20% down. So helping the first time home buyer really it's uh i don't want to get too deep into this but i i've been through so many experiences where like non-discriminatory housing practices ha have created new rules and regulations and i feel like what is being offered here for a airtight super qualified fha um the person it's helping to not discriminate against the FHA offer, right? <laughs> um, it, one, one could argue from a sales or marketing perspective. Or VA or conventional. I mean, you know, it's funny too, because sometimes we'll get a jumbo loan that's less than 20% yeah. down and somebody just assumes, oh, there's no way that's really approved. Respectfully, if we went through our underwriting and we have it approved, we're telling the world that they're approved, but then it becomes, well, how do I know you're approved? I had a bad experience with a lender once before and I didn't, you know, we need to bridge that gap. 
How do we, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's hard because right now, and again, no disrespect to the agents out there, everyone's working really hard, but the average listing agent has just so many people trying to get the, their attention to, to buy that, their client's house. It's a very limited amount of dialogue. I constantly make phone calls on behalf of my client to let the, let the listing agent know. Looks like, uh, you know, Mr. Mrs. Jones looking to buy your property on 123 Elm Street. Uh, agent Susie uh, is, you know, helping them out. I know you spoke with her earlier today. I'm the loan officer. I just want to let you know what we, we have a very clean approval for them. We're a local direct lender. We update proactively at least once a week without you having to hear from us and try to build a rapport and, and really reinforce the approval. But that, that's usually a voicemail. I, I, I did not answer the phone or right. they may not call back afterwards. So it's like, we're, we're shooting our shot, but we don't know if they're actually, if, if it's hitting the mark. So how do we get their attention? Cash buy. That yep. gets their attention every single time. Every time. Yeah. They will actually, for personal interest and for the client's interest, they'll say, oh, I would take that one. Right. They'll, yeah. they'll suggest the client takes out the cash offer. So with that, I am interested in another program. You're talking about kind of like incentivizing real estate professionals to work with you. It sounds like, now I want you to explain it, but if I understand correctly, this Relo program, you can mm. allow realtor partners to partner with you to legally compensate them for funded loans they bring to you. Is that right? That was almost perfectly said. In fact, I almost think there was like a compliance loan uh, person in your ear. That was perfectly said. Yes. <laughs> so I'll expand on that. That was really well said, by the way. So thanks. AmeriFirst Financial, the company I work for, has a division called Relo Funding. It's kind of a cute little name, RE, like real estate, LO, loan origination or loan officer. You say it fast. It sounds like relocation. So whoever thought of that, right, right, kudos, right. gold star, Relo, it's catchy. Some so Relo is- out there. Yeah, I gotta say, I mean, I was like that. That was that was. I heard about it. I like that was that was a good choice. So, Relo is a division of AmeriFirst, whereby we allow real estate agents to legally get compensated for loans that they bring to AmeriFirst that fund. And so, one of the first things that comes to mind when someone hears that is it's a RESPA violation. If I give anything of value to anyone in exchange for a referral. The government believes that I'm charging the client more money to reimburse myself for what that thing of value I gave someone. So I mentioned before, I can't get a flyer created without three different people touching it. Something like this, this has been vetted and vetted and vetted. It's very airtight as far as legality. So what we're doing, we're not giving anything as far as a referral fee. What we're doing instead is let's say a real estate agent partner of ours is interested in doing this. We allow them to get their mortgage license. We call that an NMLS license. Hmm. We hire them. So they kind of hang their license with us. I'll pause there for a moment. We are doing nothing to disrupt their DRE real estate license broker relationship with their company. And PS in the state of California, you can have both licenses. Correct. It's called dual licensing. But every once in a while, I get this real estate broker that only hears what they want to hear. And you're trying to take my agents from me. In actuality, we're trying to keep them in the game full time. We yeah. don't want these agents right now who, in you know, this last couple of years, it's been a different market, right? And we've had Relo for since before COVID was around. So mm-hmm. let's not get so caught up in the short term excitement of this crazy market and sure. forget how things were before COVID. It wasn't this pace, right? And so what we've been seeing is a lot of iBuyer platforms, Open Door, Zillow, you know, some other ones out there that are kicking the real estate agents out of the business. They have economies of scale. They have these big platforms of marketing, and the average agent is going, okay, 
I'm closing less, less escrows and I'm making less. Or they used to make 3%. Now it's two and a half. Then it's two. Now it's two and a quarter. Now it's one and a half. Now it's a flat fee of whatever have you. It's a race to the bottom. And if they're not making up for the less revenue per escrow in more escrows, right? Volume, then they're hurting. A lot of them are getting side jobs, side hustles. If you have a side hustle for 20 hours a week as a realtor, and now you're working at Nordstrom's or you're driving Uber, that's 20 hours a week opportunity cost theory of economics, right? That's 20 hours a week that you're not out there prospecting for business. You're not with your finger on the pulse of the inventory, the education, the, the, the services for your client. And respectfully, and this is me talking, if you're my agent and I have to call you when you're not at your other job, you're not my agent any longer. Right. I have a choice. I have people that are full-time in the game. Why am I working with you when you're part-time? So we were seeing this trend. And if these agents go away, we lose our partners. We're realtor-centric. We need to keep these folks in the game. So we created this opportunity for them to get their NMLS license, for them to get hired with us. And now when they are discussing basic needs with clients that they procure, they help originate the loan. And so at this point, I come in as kind of what we call this in our, our little cute little world of ours of Amerifirst. We call my role a Sherpa. You ever know what a Sherpa is? When you're climbing the mountain, the person behind you carry, carrying all the stuff, getting no credit when they get to the, get to the top of the mountain while you're posing for photos of you. The Sherpa is doing all the, all the hard work and you're getting all the credit. That's what we Sorry. call ourselves. So in essence, we are paying that reload agent a bona fide commission on what they bring. And there's what we've done to make it even more consumer friendly is we have actually created through Relo even better pricing than a standard person would get not out of Relos. Just to make sure that we absolutely are making sure the consumer is taken care of even more. Because last thing we want to do is quote a, a higher rate or higher fees or whatever it may be, and then suddenly have that client push back to the Relo agent and say, "Hey, you got me involved in this company." I'm not going to use them for the loan. I'm not going to use you for my real estate needs either. Respa violation. Ah, uh, everything's right. chopped so, down, right? Yeah. So I'm oversimplifying this right now just because we have a short amount of time. Just right. in, in summary, it's very consumer friendly. We have kept a very tight rate sheet in, uh, as a result. And we are paying that reload agent out of my commission. So I'm taking the haircut. Happy to do it because we align ourselves with a lot more agents who are that much more committed to keep us in the conversation when they're out there talking with their with their clients. And so it's kind of a silent revolution that we're building right now. And uh, it's really picking up. And a lot of the agents take their kind of found money when they get this comp and they put it right into marketing. Right. So do you want to get make this much money on a W-2 and just spend it? Or do you want to put that into reinvesting in marketing and get yourself two or three new clients? You know, smart Love money- that. Smart money is in the marketing. So this is helping them now compete with these iBuyer platforms that are killing them financially. Wow. What an interesting program. And I do have a clarifying question, which you may or may not be able to answer. Sure. So my understanding is that in the state of California, yes, you can have dual licensure, mm -hmm. but that you cannot be the mortgage loan officer and the real estate agent on the same transaction. Now, that's my understanding. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm right. So I, I would love some clarity on that. It's a very good question. So to your point, it's called dual licensing, which from what I last heard was every state allows it except for Utah, which I thought was kind of funny. You can have multiple <laughs> spouses, but not multiple licenses. But 
dual licensing is above board. It's legit. The only type of loans that we know of at the moment that will not allow us to pay commission if the real estate agent is involved is or what are we call HUD programs, right? So FHA, mm. VA, and um, USDA. Got I can it. tell you, doing this, you know, for a long time, I've yet to take a USDA loan full cir- full circle. Um, some markets, USDA is very, you know, very common. I let them know up front. We we can do the loan. We just can't pay you for it. FHA, respectfully to HUD, is becoming less and less of a viable option. They got some pretty aggressive mortgage insurance premiums that in, in durations of time you're paying the mortgage insurance. Between the conventional becoming a lot more viable and a little more flexible on guidelines, we very rarely originate FHA. But when we do, obviously, you know, we let the client know we cannot compensate or let the real agent know we cannot compensate you on that. And of course, VA, my humble opinion, it's the best loan for the most deserving population. They qualify for VA. We're doing a VA loan. We're just not paying the reload agent. And that's very Got much it. made, it's made very clear up front. You know, we're always going to do right by the client. If they're, you know, VA is always going to go VA. If, if that's yeah. So those, those non-conventional government backed type of loans aren't eligible for the reload program where the agent can get a real estate agent commission and this, this uh, commission from Amerifers through the reload program, but a conventional loan totally is, is, and that's by and far the, the majority of loans, right? Yes, that could, be, that could be conventional. It could be jumbo. It could be non-QM. So it, it's a small portion of loans that are actually being done that we cannot compensate the reload agent, and that's made very clear. We have a full orientation with the reload agents, so they know up front what they what they can or cannot do. Uh, we have max even jumbo comps. and non-QM. That's awesome because in California, a lot of them are jumbo and non-QM. There's such large transactions. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So I could tell you that that program was vetted on so many levels with so many government agencies just to make sure that- So many were, lawyers. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm convinced that our legal counsel at Amerifirst Financial, I think they're all vampires. None of them sleep because we have them. I mean, we're, we're innovative. I mean, and I say that I mean, humbly. I mean, these are innovative I, programs. <laughs> to your point, a lot of mortgage companies would not take the risk. No way. And so to take that risk, you need to have a team of lawyers vetting all this and just taking it to the nth degree of compliance. So- yeah, kudos for sure. And, and a lot of loan officers would not take a voluntary haircut to pay an agent. They just wouldn't. You know, I'm worth this much. So it takes a special kind of loan officer to have that willingness to say, what if I could spend less time prospecting, more time receiving loans? I could do more volume. Would I be willing to make a little bit less per, per escrow? Not everyone will do that. And I'm not making anybody wrong on either side of the fence that they are, but this is consistent with the culture at AmeriFirst Financial. We are looking long-term. We all did a plenty of refinances over the last couple of years, of course, but we are not predicated on refinances as our business plan because if that's your whole business plan, mm. everyone's, everyone's got a two or, th- or three in front of their decimal point and rates are on a four or five, you have no business plan. And so it's all purchase related. I mean, we'll do the refis when we can, but that's the culture of the company. That's smart. So is there a question that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to expand upon from earlier? Gosh, I don't really have anything. I mean, I would just like to offer up just for you um, a couple of things I think I'm personally bringing to the table that are a bit unique. I do a lot of education to my business partners. There is a real estate seminar that is all 
throughout California. And again, in, in non-COVID related environments, these are seminars that are two and a half days with usually 300 plus agents, uh, obviously sitting shoulder to shoulder. COVID kind of killed that a little bit as of late, but it's now re-emerging. It's called The Career Compass. You go to thecareercompass.com, real estate agents from all, all throughout California come here and they actually, they learn what I would just call offense and defense, right? Offense, how to get more business, business development, ideas, techniques, best practices, and defense, how not to lose your client to an iBuyer platform like Open Door or Zillow, who is sort of poisoning the airwaves trying to take your client. And I provide education. I usually have about a half hour on each day to speak to 300 plus agents, you know, about 10 times a year. So you can do the math on how many of these people I'm actually speaking with. Great way. And they also have a, a, a video kind of Zoom series called C4, where they've got you know, several different real estate agents throughout the country that are on that. So I, it's a platform for me to be able to educate my real estate agent partners and that same topic with a whole different venue. The Alumni Institute, it's like alumni with an I in front, they put out the education for these certified divorce real estate experts, CDREs, which are the top-notch divorce real estate professionals in the country. And we, I am a CDRE as well, we present education to divorce attorneys throughout the country through a series called Raising the Bar, kind of a play on words, right? Raising the Bar, where I've spoken to and trained divorce attorneys throughout the country. So try to not just sit back and receive loans and, you know, and clients and just do loans all day. I'm trying to be a thought leader, trying to be a value to those I serve. I love that. And Career Compass, shout out to Beef Wellington. Awesome guy. He's been uh, in, in that game for a long time. And man, I can't believe how many of those events he does all the time. I mean, he's in person in front of hundreds of real estate professionals every month. And Jason's been, you know, part of that for a, a long time as well with, with Mr. Wellington there. So really unique to just get in the room and educate so many real estate professionals all at once on such a consistent basis. So, and, I, and I'll I tell really, you, to, oh, I'm sorry to me because you're obviously to his credit, these seminars are never the same because he's always adding content based on what the market is doing. And it's, it's this, every time I go there, I'm learning, you know, again, they call him beef as in beef. Wellington, his name is Wellington Pendel, but he is a, a definite thought leader. He's educated. I mean, tens of thousands of agents throughout his career and, the guy just brings it each and every time. I agree. Yeah, he really does. I mean, he updates his slides up to, you know, 15 minutes before that <laughs> he day. He's, he's up at 5 a.m. watching East Coast news and then comes in and, you know, he's got something new. So, yeah, definitely to his credit, like amazing content there. So, uh, really appreciate having you on, Jason. How can listeners contact you? You know, good old-fashioned electronic business card is a great way to just find me and download everything. So if you go to vipborrower.com, vipborrower.com, it's an e-card. You can, uh, at that point, you have hot links to call, text me, and get to my website, get to my Yelp page. Yeah, I'm one of those people who actually has a, his own Yelp page. You go to Jason Gordon San Diego, that's my smiley face. Talk <laughs> about accountability by, by, by you know, necessity. But that's a great way to reach me. You can also, um, you know, just see certain images of me out there, you know, kind of leading the, the crew, photos of me doing these presentations and videos and whatever have you. Yeah, but that's a great way to reach me. If you just say, Jason, I'm not going to download, I just want your phone number, 619-200-8031. Email, I'll just give you my Gmail, real simple, jasongordonmortgage at gmail.com. No punctuations in between, simple, simple. 
But uh, and I really appreciate being on the, on the show and uh, you know, huge respect for what you're doing and some of the thought leaders that you brought on your show. And I'm honored to be a part of it. Thank you, Jason. Sorry about my cat. <laughs> oh, sorry about no, that. No worries. <laughs> no worries. It, it uh, adds a little character to the show. So no, th- thank you, Jason Gordon, everyone. I really appreciate having you on, Jason. Uh, it's been a pleasure knowing you. And uh, thank you so much for adding so much value to the show. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free Ultimate Real Estate Goal Setting Framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.